Bob Varsha and Dave O'Neill, former Haas F1 team manager. Jonathan Green will be with us shortly. And gentlemen, pretty exciting sprint race. Max Verstappen, of course, taking the win. Yeah, it was pretty, um, pretty calm up front. Verstappen, as he has done all year long, gently drove away from the field. Lewis Hamilton, though, remember what a difficult season it's been for Mercedes thus far this year. Hamilton came into the day saying, I think I know where I can find some speed and I might have something for the field today. And it appears he definitely has. He finishes well behind uh, Max Verstappen, uh, almost 10 seconds to be precise. Um, but then the battle behind them was big. Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, holding off Lando Norris and the McLaren. Sergio Perez made his way up to fifth. Carlos Sainz started sixth. Only driver in the field to choose yeah. the soft tire compound. He immediately picked up a couple of places, but it didn't work for him. The tires wore, and he fell back to his original sixth place starting. Pierre Gasly able to pick up seventh in the race and two points because George Russell, who wound up eighth, had a five-second penalty for going off track and gaining an advantage. So he picks up the eighth and final point, followed by Alex Albon, who almost ran him down, and Oscar Piastri in 10th. Mm. Dave O'Neill, what did you think about this? There was some <laughs> disappointing race for a couple of, like Lance Stroll and uh, Logan Sargent, honestly. Yeah, back um, at the back, uh, the, there was a little bit of uh, unusual behavior, I guess, with some of the tires and the, and the cars. But the interesting bit is if we look at uh, Science's gamble on the soft tires mm -hmm. he did a fantastic job he was four tenths between his quickest lap and and his last lap at the end so not a bad strategy um it came out and and i guess kind of worked for them the other thing which is quite interesting is that Lu lewis for his first five laps was quicker than than max um mm -hmm. so the the mercedes has definitely got uh, got the car and is good on the tires as well so that's that's something we should look out for tomorrow george russell as well didn't do quite a bad job um with his penalty in the in the end but yeah quite interesting that's an interesting comparison between the two mercedes drivers i mean lewis with 103 career victories and 104 poles and his teammate george russell who's still very early in his career lewis was able to take the car as you pointed out dave mercedes has obviously improved the mercedes a tremendous amount and lewis knew exactly what to do with it ran a clean race wound up second while george russell had more of a gnarly race if i could call it that <laughs> and you know winds up back where he did in um eighth place so you know it'll come for george russell but right now uh, he definitely got shown the way by his teammate. I don't think he would argue with Gnarly, but uh, but yeah, uh, uh, talk about Lance Stroll, Bob. I mean, wow. Uh, where do you start with Lance Stroll? Friday, he got but five laps in the one and only free practice session uh, with apparent brake issues. They were tearing off the uh, the front end of the car, the cake tins, as uh, as Dave calls them. They're the <laughs> shrouds around the the brake uh, and hub assemblies. Um, never got back out. Fernando Alonso was slow, and he joked about it later on in the day, saying, I wish I could do the whole day over again. But it just has not come better for them. And they both qualified toward the back, ran toward the back, and Stroll had to stop, claiming that he was he was out of brakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, what else catches your eye today? Because 
I mean, we talked about Carlson, George Russell, Pierre Gasly, but Albon was ah, he was so close to getting those points, wasn't he? With that yeah. five-second penalty for Russell. Yeah, he was trying to run down Russell, try to win it on the aggregate, as it were, uh, and came so close, just within a, a fraction of a second at the end. And he uh, he ran a couple of stout laps at the end there to get that close to Russell in the Mercedes. I mean, who'd have thought that the Williams, which of course has a Mercedes customer engine, would uh, would be able to do battle? Uh, on relatively even terms with the factory car. Now on Piastri, Dave, he ended up dropping five places from his starting position. Yes, he, he's not with it this weekend. He seems to be struggling, whether it's, um, you know, from last weekend, a little bit of effect or not managing to use the tyres correctly or the full the full suite of the tyre co correctly. Um, but also, we have to look at Sargent as well. He seems to be struggling mm -hmm. with uh, his teammate. You know, there's a there's a big distance between those two. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, hopefully he can find something tomorrow uh, just to help. We have to admit that our American driver has got some big pressure on him right now with just these last five races because he's got to, I mean, I, he's, I think he's yeah. just got to improve some. Yeah. To, to keep well, that he seat. pulled in yesterday after a bad qualifying session and, you know, called it like it was. He says that was terrible. You know, what he did, he went, had a big off. I believe it was down in 11. Um, or maybe 12, and um, yeah, he said that would that was me. I just once again, kind of tripped over my plan. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was thinking about the Haas team, and I, Dave, you know, you're so close to those guys, and it's not not the sprint race they wanted. I, I don't really know what their expectations were with this new upgrade. I know you. Is there some working with the upgrade? Because we, we're talking about a huge upgrade. There's a whole lot of new bits and pieces that they're having to learn, right? Exactly, yeah. So they're testing and racing at the same time, which is... Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I know. I'm, I'm sure that's a, a difficult thing. So One thing that today is uh, that impressed me was tire life. I mean, there, we were so worried about whether the tires were Welcome to Speed City so with John Massengill, Bob Parsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the uh, fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Sainz got 19 laps out of them, and as Dave pointed out, it's pretty competitive times. All right, gearheads, welcome to Speed City's coverage of the 2023 Formula One United States Grand Prix. This is John Massengale, and I'm with Bob Varsha and Dave O'Neill, and we are live from Circuit of the Americas in the booth. And we just watched the sprint race, and we watched Max Verstappen win the race ahead of Lewis Hamilton, who gave him a really good race. Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, Pierre Gasly, George Russell, Alex Alexander Albon, and Oscar Piastri in the top ten. But we're going to break down all of what we saw. But, Bob... I want to ask you about Alonso. We talked about Stroll a little bit right before we came on the air, but mm -hmm. what about Fernando Alonso's weekend? I mean, the Aston Martin is is struggling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and they started the season so strongly. I mean, at one point, Fernando Alonso said, I'm going to be on the podium at every race the rest of the way. Uh, it's been anything but that. Uh, so in addition to Lance Stroll's problems, which appeared to be breaks in free practice one yesterday, um, neither of them qualified very well. And, uh, in fact, Alonzo said uh, overnight, 
Sunday's race is basically a lost cause for us, just the throwaway. May as well just work on next year's stuff because it's not going to work this weekend. Well, we do have to celebrate Max Verstappen, you know, the continued dominance of the season. And uh, we saw him struggle a little bit earlier in the, in the weekend. But, uh, and, and, you know, Charles Leclerc has been really fast. And Lewis Hamilton, was that a, a coming in second? Was that a little bit of a surprise to you, Dave? It, well, I think the end result was, but not what I was hearing in the paddock, is that the, the Mercedes has a, you know, is particularly good on the tires. So with with their upgrade, so it's cer certainly treated them well for this race, and it would be nice to see what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, with with the, um, the the strategy on the tyres. But you know, the strategy tomorrow is is probably going to be you know everyone up the front will probably use mediums. Uh, to get away with. However, saying that, we also have to look at what Science did. Again, he did a fantastic job, like you said. Mm -hmm. 19 laps on the soft tyre, which they thought wouldn't make it make it at all. The other thing uh, with the factor tomorrow is today, the track temperature is down five degrees from yep. this morning and yesterday, um, and tomorrow is meant to be cooler. So there is, you know, there's definitely worth a twist or a gamble on the soft tires tomorrow to start with, at least, or to finish with. Yeah, I think in, in the case of the Mercedes, uh, you had an example of, of what it takes for the tires to last around here. Lewis Hamilton got away quickly, had a fairly uh, conventional race. He was not challenged much. He couldn't catch Max Verstappen for the lead, but he was not heavily uh, pressed by Charles Leclerc in the first of the Ferraris behind him. Meanwhile, his teammate, George Russell, ran a scruffy race. He was constantly battling, trying to find position, and it really took it out of his tires, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, agreed. Would you risk... I'm thinking of how I'm how I'd set up for the race. Um, you know, maybe start on the hard tires, go as deep as you can, and then switch to a short stint. You're going to make two stops anyway, I would think. So switch to the softs in the middle, and you know, go like stink. Yeah. Try to pick up some positions, and then maybe switch to the mediums on your second stop to take it home. Agreed. You know, it depends where you are on the grid, what sort of gamble of you have to take there. But I think the, um, you know, the interesting part is the the safety car stats. They're not huge here, so you wouldn't throw that into the yeah. equation either. But right. um, I think track track temp plays a big key in it, and um, you know. Carlos, Carlos has done the test for everyone. They can stick that in, yeah, the, stick that how, in the mix and see. So what were they saying? Did you talk to Mario Isola about the uh, how long that tire might go? Well, again, his, his version of it was um, it's a risk. That's all he said. It's, he it's didn't say <laughs> 20 laps. So maybe they're right at the end of the, the what they yeah, might predict. And the window. I think the track temperature saved him. You know, yeah, because yeah. it was a little two or three degrees cooler than they thought it might be. Yes. Well, five, in fact, from when they ran the softs yesterday. So, um, yeah, the gamble. I, I think the gamble paid off. You know, there wasn't too much that, that went wrong there at all. Um, do we have over the 19 laps? Do we have Chris? I know he was worried about his connection. He is going to join us. Let me take a look and okay, see if he does. Mary can grab Mario Sola. Who no, he's asleep. not there. He's not online yet. But Chris, Chris Madden will be joining us as usual here shortly. 
if he can get a good connection over there. But Jonathan Green is back with us. Jonathan, what's your assessment of what we saw today? Pretty amazing for Max Verstappen, but lots going on too. Yeah, and uh, the point that was made during the race itself, which Chris made, um, which was the pace of Ferrari just not there today. And I listened to the top three interviews and Leclerc basically admitting that, um, you know, they've really got to have a, a think. Uh, and then... Uh, David Coulthard sort of said, well, what about the fact that, uh, you know, you, you now have a chance to look at the data given that you were the only team that went on softs uh, and mediums? And he said, yeah, that gives us uh, an opportunity to observe that. But frankly, you also gives the rest of the fact and knowledge that the soft is not going to help you, I don't think. So I don't think Ferrari have really gained a great deal. And really, the, the real scratch of the head is why their pace was not what they showed uh, perhaps earlier in the weekend where they thought they were on par with uh, Mercedes at least um, but uh, you know to sort of sum it up I think we've, we've got a good battle between McLaren Mercedes uh, and Ferrari tomorrow for sure but still Red Bull ahead we did see some damage I think you, you spotted it at the end of uh, some damage at the end of the yeah, race on, on the, the left-hand side. Yeah. yeah. Now that will pay a big part. Yes, it will. Uh, you know, so th there is a there's a delta difference there in the time. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good drive from Carlos Sainz, given that he was effectively a sitting duck on that softer tyre. But um, and I mean, good display of racing by him. Well, Dave made the point before you were able to join us that Carlos Sainz's lap times were remarkably mm. consistent from the beginning to the end of the race on the soft tyre. All right, we're going to go out to Chris Medlin. Normally we go tens of thousands of miles, but we're just going to go a few hundred free feet out to talk to Chris. Chris, how's it going? It's going very well. I'm just uh, joining a huge speech <laughs> to the race foiled. team principal. Um, have we been foiled? I can hear you guys beautifully. Is this technology letting us down? Well, we nope. haven't got him yet. Nope. Uh, yeah, we got Chris. We got Chris. I'm hearing Chris. I guess you oh, got. Oh, it's just me then. Carry on. Yeah, we. I oh, guess he's not. Just put oh, you I'm on so ice. sorry. <laughs> you're... No, no, that's all good. Get you. Unbelievable. You can hear him. Sorry, Chris. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Um, yeah, so Christian Horner just speaking to F1 TV about you, the uh, about the victory that uh, that Max Verstappen's had. So uh, I'm just waiting my turn in the queue politely because, well, it's all I can do really. I think I'll get in a lot of trouble if I stick our microphone in too soon. Uh, but Christian with a smile on his face, he's been very happy with, uh, I think, the day's work and the way it's gone so far for this team. Uh, obviously, it's going to be harder for Max tomorrow, and that's kind of what I'm keen to know is how hard they think it could be. So um, I'm already thinking ahead. We don't need to know about today. We need to know about tomorrow and what's going to happen. All right. Well, Chris, um, hold tight just a minute. We're going to uh, fix the mics where the guys hear the headset so they can hear you. But we'll come back to you. And we're going to take a break here in about three or four minutes anyway. But, uh, Jonathan, you were pointing out the, the uh, collision between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about the bottom of the Ferrari. And because Piastri and um, uh, the Ferrari came together at the start touching wheels. Um, but actually, the, 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 what I, the damage I saw at the end of the race was on the left-hand side of the lower floor of the, and, and more likely of an incident like this rather for the Ferrari that is but they're just analyzing the um... yeah so the uh, because who we got who are you talking about Jonathan yeah I'm, t I'm still talking about the damage to the Ferrari um, which I okay. noticed on the side left hand side uh, and as Dave Wright points out that could uh, easily have slowed down Leclerc uh, a little bit and dropped the pace that he didn't have and that could be a reason Ooh. All right. So what about, Jonathan, we touched on everything from Lance Stroll's continued disaster, but uh, and we also touched on Logan Sargent, and it's rough for him right now. He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> 
do something here. I, I hate to say it, but it, it is game over at this point uh, and, and reset button. And I, I, I hate to be that harsh, but, you know, there was three drivers we were looking at. Perez, Ricardo, and obviously Sargent. And, and out of the three of them, Ricardo has had a good run, a steady run. Didn't change the world, but uh, he had a good race, uh, a steady race. Uh, and he's not lost any of his sharpness. He raced hard and well. Didn't change the world. Uh, Perez had a good race, got good points, and uh, did a good job going into uh, this three-race back-to-back, and he needs to keep doing that. But Sargent really does stand out as, as, as being the one that just isn't cutting it right now for Williams, especially given that Alban is top ten at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and Alban almost jumped into the points today. That would have just rubbed salt in the yeah. wounds there. But yeah, he was only three tenths off. I mean, look, with the weekend, the USGP is still not over. I mean, he could yes. have a he could have a good Grand Prix tomorrow. And but but I think I think the you know we've been as enthusiastic and we ca- as we can. I think the team has been as and super supportive. James Vowles has talked all about you know giving him a chance. And uh, it's just not there yet. I guess a better way to look at it, and anybody can jump in here, but who are you going to replace Sargent, given that Williams are on the up and up, given that Album is at the top of his game? If it's going to be somebody that can complement Album and for the pair of them to be at least on track, a bit like Ricardo and Sonoda in that team in terms of their pace as that package, um, who, who are you going to pluck out of the air that isn't on the grid or potentially is going to swap teams? Nobody on the grid, for me anyway, unless you're going to start messing about with Lawson, which I don't see happening um, because Red Bull won't let it happen. Um, I just don't see who you're going to just... You, why throw Djokovic or anybody else I- into that seat uh, for the sake of it when Sargent hasn't done that bad a job? Who are you going to replace him with? Hmm, that is a good question. Uh, Bob, you had an idea? Or? Uh, no, actually. I wouldn't be I, surprised if it's somebody we haven't discussed to this point. Um, you know, it's no secret they're still... Still probably not as fully budgeted as they could be. A so, paying uh, driver. Hmm. Yeah, so there may be uh, you know some young talent out there who looks a lot better because of the size of the check he brings with him. But, you know, that's totally speculation on my part. For all I know, Logan will be back in that seat next year. They, they also have to look, you know, where Alban is. But also, when he does score a point, you have to have a teammate that scores scores points as well. You know, mm-hmm. that that brings the funding in as well. So I, I tell you, if I were Gunter, I would hire out Fiddy Paldi because I think he'd do a darn him. good job I, for I Williams. Him. Yeah. Uh, that's the only driver I can think of that has been wetted in, in real race trim uh, and proved that he's capable um, and isn't a, you know, a sort of shot in the dark. Um, and in terms of Sargent, I think he could actually level, if not uh, get closer to Alban, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I thought of him because when he's subbed for Haas, he has done a great job. And Dave, you know, you probably follow that pretty close. But guys, let's get a quick break in and when we come back, we'll continue that discussion. You're listening to Speed City Live from Circuit of the Americas. We'll be back right after this.
Hi, this is Karun Chandok and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Circuit of the Americas. We're live. Just watch the sprint race out here. And this is John Massengill here with Bob Barsha, Jonathan Green, Dave O'Neill, and Chris Medlin. And I believe that Mr. Medlin can talk to us now, and we can hear him, actually, more importantly. Chris, it was all my fault. I had some of the knobs turned the wrong direction. Are you there, buddy? I am. How could you? Uh, can you hear me? Can everybody hear me now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Well, that do you know who I've got fault. with me? I've got Otmar Zafnauer with me, uh, wow. who is here in the paddock. Um, and basically working out, uh, he's tapping team principals on the shoulder and saying, I'm having your job next year. No, I'm joking. Otmar, what is it that, you are, that you're doing here this week? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm he- helping a friend of mine, uh, Keith Bruce, who runs the F1 Experiences. And just uh, talking to the fans that are here with F1 Experiences and, you know, giving them a little bit of insight as to what a team principal would be doing before a race, during a race, after a race. Uh, and, you know, just uh, giving the fans a... Uh, a bit of enjoyment, hope, hopefully, or a bit more than uh, just watching the race. Yeah, very cool insight. And then you get the addition of having to do media post-sprint just like... Uh, how have you been finding it, not not being working in Formula 1 full-time? Because that's been your life for a long, long time, hasn't it? Yeah, this is my 26th year in, uh, in Formula 1. I don't know how many races that was, 400, between four and 500. So it is different, uh, good and bad. You know, it's nice on a Sunday to turn the race off and you're already home. Uh, don't have to worry about packing up or going to the airport or fighting the rain or so that that's nice. But, uh, at the same time, after 26 years, you miss it. I was going to say, we're going to see you back in this paddock soon. Hopefully, uh, you know, I've got, uh, another nine months of gardening to do and I'll see what's available. Oh, good luck. And thanks for your time. There we go. What that? Uh, um, just uh, looking very sharp, I must say, in a suit as well. Um, but yes, I, I am back, and I'm not sure if uh, I'm putting pressure on producer Casey, but uh, while I was away, I managed to uh, grab a word with the winning team principal. Uh, so uh, Christian Horner was uh, doing the round, as I mentioned before we went to break. And uh, yes, Let's so I managed to grab Christian Horner, who's uh, just being... Uh, pleaded for for an autograph thing. I don't know if it's a Red Bull flag, though, so I'll have to check. Don't want to sign something that's not. No, it's a Mexico flag, mate. You should know your colours by now. I just saw the green, but Aston Martin are in this, in this field, so I'm just being careful for you. But anyway, uh, Christian, job done today for Max. Was it as comfortable as it looked? Um, look, it was, it was a good race for us, a good sprint race, and uh, he controlled the race brilliantly well, and you know, to win by over eight seconds um, was, uh, you know, was a great performance. So, uh, uh, you know, happy with that. It gives us a lot of data. Uh, and information for tomorrow so um so so yeah really useful you just tried to sign that flag and the pen didn't work didn't it i know <laughs> i know thank you very much well you, you were doing the nice thing but uh Checo solid from him but has that shown that this car in traffic with with the pace of cars around you is going to be tricky for max coming through the field tomorrow for sure he's out of position tomorrow so that's going to be a tricky race but uh you know it throws down a challenge for us and uh you know we've got to get through the first few laps cleanly and then then get stuck into it. I would say looking at the race today, Lando Norris looked like uh, he will be the, the biggest ob- obstacle for tomorrow. Well said. Uh, and just finally, both championships wrapped up. Do you get to enjoy these weekends a little bit more when it's that case and you're just going for the wins and I guess the pressure of the big picture is off? Well, they're all cup finals now. So they're all big one-off events and uh, you know we don't want to leave anything on the table. And so we just keep pushing, keep t- taking it event by event. And um, you know, great to get that sprint race, but it's now about the Grand Prix tomorrow. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. Thank you very much. Mm. 
Yeah, I uh, happy a happy and calm Christian Horner. He sounds really, really relaxed. I guess that that happens when you have everything already wrapped up. Well, I think that was the point of Chris's last question, and it was a good one. You know, do you relax now or do you keep pushing? Uh, and he, it was a great answer too. They're all Cup finals. They're all one-offs. You know, it's. There's no championship to fight for now. They want one, two in the driver's standings, which is a story yet to be written. But, uh, yeah, it, he does sound relaxed and even a little tired. <laughs> hey, Chris, well, let's do a mic check on you. You were dropping out just a little bit. Let's check it out and see how it's going. What, is, what do you see? What's, uh, what's going on around you? Sorry about that. Yeah, that was my fault for moving in this busy paddock. But I am now outside McLaren, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm hanging out at the right place. Uh, Zach Brown's coming out to do a TV interview, so maybe I'll grab, grab him because of what Christian Horner said. So Christian Horner saying that it looks like Lando Norris could be the biggest obstacle. I want to kind of put that to someone from McLaren because Norris obviously uh, will be starting comfortably ahead of Verstappen tomorrow. Uh, and it, yeah, it could be a, a different dynamic. Yeah, Definitely. Ab absolutely. Yeah, Norris will start second. Verstappen will be sixth. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Lando, who's been quick, um, you know, playing f from ahead as opposed to behind. Mm. And tactically, uh, and I'll turn to Dave on this, but, you know, 56 laps versus uh, 19 is a whole different ball game yeah. um, in terms of strategy, tactics, tires, everything. Yeah, there's, uh, and of course, not not just the, the, the laps you're doing, you also got to put the safety car equation in yep. there if that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, temperature reduction tomorrow, cloud cover. Um, it's a completely different day. Uh, so look forward to it, actually. I need to see. <laughs> yeah, David's got well, that dreamy 200 I did say that I was going to try and get that question eyes. answered, so sorry to uh, cut everybody off, but I've got Zach Brown here. And Zach, Christian Horner's just said that he thinks the biggest obstacle to Verstappen win tomorrow is Lando Norris. Is that what you've seen from today's sprint? Uh, well, I think Max's uh, pace was pretty awesome today, so I'm not sure anyone's going to be able to hold him up once uh, once he gets going. Uh, but Lando's pace was strong. I think he can run with uh, Lewis. I think uh, another lapper, too, and he would have had the Ferrari. So, uh, and then I think we got some learning to do on uh, uh, on Oscar's car. So, you know, uh, tire management or just tire wear in general, he was complaining a uh, lack of grip. So, I think we'll have a strong race tomorrow. Is everything gone a bit better than expected so far this weekend? Because the team were kind of trying to downplay expectations after the last two weekends. But it looks like you could well be again second quickest. Uh, it's going to be close, uh, but yeah, I'm 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 happy. I, I think uh, we're concerned for the weekend. Uh, that being said, tomorrow is the big day, so let's see how we get on. Uh, but yeah, good good starts to the weekend so far. A Ferrari in your sights? There are a lot of points uh, ahead of us, so uh, we're going to keep pushing. But they're they're a long ways up the road. Okay, well, good luck and thank you for your time. Cheers. I thought he was asking Zach if he was going to buy a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I think he he's got a couple one. in the uh, oh, yeah. collection. Yeah, I wouldn't a be a bit surprised. He has a fabulous collection. Hey, uh, I want to talk about Sergio Perez finishing fifth in the sprint race. And if I'm not mistaken, that is uh, about where he started. Maybe maybe moved up one. No, actually, he moved up two to that. I mean, he needs – he's probably buoyed by the huge Mexican contingent here. 
But what do you think, Jonathan? Do you think yeah. he, it was a good good day for him? Chris mentioned it in the race that uh, obviously Hamilton's gained, what, seven or eight points on him. They started the day 224 to 194, uh, and obviously Hamilton's taken some points out of him, but Perez has not embarrassed himself by falling out of the top ten uh, and has got some decent points himself. So, you know, these are all uh, helpful things. But that battle is going to go all the way, given the form of Mercedes and given the fact that uh, Perez, might, uh, like it as he might, uh, is not just fighting Hamilton. And he's going to be fighting, um, you know, the others around him as well. And that includes McLaren. Yeah, at this point, I'm tempted to say Sergio's future with the team depends on whether or not he finishes second of the driver's championship. I think so, too. If yeah. he does, he's back. That's if a good he assessment. doesn't, he's replaced. Yeah. That's certainly how Helmut Marco, if we're looking but, at the past, would, mm -hmm. would, would look at it. I, I don't know if... Even he's had such a bad run. I don't know if that's a guarantee, though. I mean, I think that's his only – he has to do that, I think, to even be considered because I mean, we're talking about Red Bull here, and, you know, they don't mess around with that. I'll, I'll change my uh, assumption for next year. Sergio would be great at Williams. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's I, know, I mean, yeah, without being too cynical, um, he is so popular, as we've seen here this weekend, um, and Williams needing that. They've got that American – you know, side to them now, um, having the following of so many great fans, putting Williams back on the map, given that they were last in 11th for many years, uh, for the last few years, they've been nowhere. Uh, and having a driver of the quality of Sergio, I think he and Alvin would work. So it's not, it's, it's a joke, of course, tongue in cheek, but it's not if, if he really is thrown out. Yeah, Dave, I want to ask you this question. I mean, we're talking about Checo Perez, but we're also talking about Logan Sargent, our American. And you've been there. You've been a team manager right in the thick of this kind of situation, you know, where drivers are, are, are not doing what they can probably a lot of times, like Checo in his case. But Logan Sargent also, you know, we, we say we got to give him a chance, and he's had a pretty good run at it now. But what have you ever been in a similar like Esteban Gutierrez back at Haas or something like that? Yeah, I mean, you you kind of have to look at everything, you know, when you're summing up these um, these drivers. You look at all the data, performance, etc. But I mean, with Perez and Verstappen, he was still eight tenths off Verstappen's fastest lap today, and that, you know, eight tenths doesn't sound a lot, but it's a country mile to your teammate. You know, you should yeah. be within a tenth or two. Um, so, yep, the, the the you know Sergeant and Alban definitely mismatched there, um, and uh, you know I kind of feel sorry for Sergeant, but when you get this opportunity, you have to nail it, and if you don't, this is what happens. You know, you, you, your poles apart. Right. He has the uh, you know the, the Liam. Um, Lawson, yeah. Lawson. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really tired. Uh, <laughs> he has the Liam Lawson example to, uh, to to look at, you know. Grab it with both hands. Yeah. Show that you can be effective right from the get-go. We've actually talked about it a couple of times this weekend. Um, you, you've got to be quick right from the start. I mean, you, you, you just can't take all day to get up to speed. It used to be that way you could do that. Baker Hakkinen did went like 99 races before he won a, a race and then went on to win a couple of championships. Nigel Mansell spent forever before he won his first race. But you don't get that time anymore. You've got to be effective right away. Yeah, the last driver in my mind that really probably had too many second chances, probably Giovinazzi. Um, you know, he just, you know, he kept making mistakes, and it's a very similar story to Sargent. He didn't have great equipment all the time, but he also had plenty of chances to shine, and he just didn't, which he did in the lower ranks. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't know, it's maybe a comparison, but uh, you've, like, like 
Bob says, you, you know, this is so cutthroat. You, know, you talk about the dragons, the lion's den, the, the you know, shark's tank, whatever you want to call it, all of those, all the above. You know, the, it, it's such a tough game. Chris, I see you out there with an unmuted mic. What's happening? Well, I just wanted to follow up a bit on that, actually, what Bob said, because he's right. You definitely get less time now. Uh, and drivers yeah. in the past used to get more. But also, don't forget, the drivers that come in now don't get to test. They don't get to run these cars for tens of thousands of miles before they jump in, like drivers in the past used to. So in many ways, the game has got a lot, lot harder for rookies. Uh, and there's some more experienced drivers who said that themselves. They're like, they don't have a, a chance, really, because they're expected to perform instantly or they're booted to the curb. But they're so inexperienced compared to how we were when we came in and where we're at now. And that, that brings out another point. I mean, your knee-jerk reaction to what Chris just said might be, well, they have all these elaborate multimillion-dollar simulators. Can't you just learn the, what the car is going to be like? Yeah, but it, it's like we said about the Ferrari, I mean, the F1 Academy earlier today with all those young female drivers. The opportunity to get out here and see what the life of Formula One is like, the sponsor commitments, the media responsibilities, the simple crush of humanity in one of the world's most popular sports is something that you really can't learn by sitting in a simulator in an airplane hangar somewhere for days on end. You've got to go out there and experience it and, um, you know, and perform under pressure. It's like being the... The guy on the high wire, you know, it's okay to do it with the net below you in practice, but when it's dark and you're in your sequence and the spotlight is on you, you know, you, you got to get the job done. Sequencing glow. Got to shine when you got the sequence on. I was thinking I had a middle picture that I had to, to get out of my head there, but yeah. <laughs> but the, you know, the other I'm going to cut you well, guys off because in it, just a second, I'm going to grab uh, Daniel Ricardo, who's uh, just trying to walk down the paddock. And I want to ask Daniel, yeah, your first bit of competitive action in a, a few months. Firstly, how's the hand? It's it's actually good. I um I think yeah the the bigger thing is probably just a bit of race fitness. Which uh, yeah I kind of got those couple races under my belt before the break, and I felt like I was back in. And then uh, <laughs> not doing a race instead. So it's kind of like Budapest all over again. I, I expect to be yeah maybe sweating a little more than the others. But as you mentioned, the hand positively it feels good. I think taking that extra extra kind of week off was the right thing, and it kind of allows me to drive. Yeah, no, no kind of care or fear about it and drive to my full potential, which is important. Well, it looks like you are doing that as well. I mean, you've been quick this weekend so far. What's the target tomorrow? And, and do you think that fitness might play a part in how you get on? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'll definitely muscle it out uh, if I have to. Uh, I think I'll, I'll probably feel it at the end of the race. But, uh, but in saying that, I, I expected that in Budapest and I actually felt, I felt uh, surprisingly quite good at the end of that race. So. Uh, for tomorrow i think today was a lot better as well from you know qualifying yesterday i was a little bit uh, i was missing a little as much as i expect out of myself it was probably just the reality of not really driving free practice and that's it but um improvements and i was really happy with uh, the quality Uh, we're losing you, Chris. I'm really sad. I was wanting to hear stuff. Daniel Ricciardo. You know what? Let's go to a break. We'll do a quick little reset here, and we'll be back right after this. Listen to Speed City Live from Circuit of the Americas.
Hi, this is Max Verstappen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Circuit of the Americas. We're watching the sun get low in the sky, and there's some clouds that have uh, came in, come in today. They probably came in after lunch, and I don't think we're going to get any rain from this, but no. I think it tempered the uh, the temperature on the track. It did. But, hey, Jonathan, uh, why don't you talk about – Chris is with us again, but kind of summarize what Ricardo said, and then <laughs> Chris can give us the last 15 seconds. Yeah, it was it was a little bit garbled because we were in and out, but uh, what he was saying was that uh, obviously 56 laps compared to 19 is going to be a long haul tomorrow for him. The hand not getting giving him major problem, but he'll muscle through it tomorrow. He may have to. But he said he was surprised at Hungary just how, you know, how fit he felt despite the fact that uh, he'd been off as long as he had when he returned in Hungary. So, you know, in, in other words, very positive uh, from Ricardo, and I think actually a good performance by him today. Yeah. Well, Chris, what? give us the last 15 seconds that we missed. Yeah, he started speaking in riddles, uh, Daniel said himself. So, uh, in a sense, he didn't miss too much other than something that was funny to, to laugh at, but he was saying that he thinks his pace yesterday, he wasn't too happy with in qualifying and he improved on it today. And then it was kind of the reality of, of where he's at when he's not been in the car for a while. So he was disappointed yesterday and then saw the games today and was like, OK, I'm just still getting up to speed. What, what more to expect? Uh, so tomorrow he's hoping to make another little step, uh, but is also just cautious of, I need to get some race mileage under my belt. I've only done two Grand Prix since coming back. Still mm. getting back up to speed with this car, still getting my fitness back sharp, as he, as he mentioned earlier on as well. So it's like, you know, it could be where I want to target some points and go forward, but I need to keep my own expectations and targets realistic uh, that just gaining more experience and having a clean run uh, will be actually very important. So, um, yeah, he was... He was in positive, positive mood. And, uh, yeah, as always, ended it with a big smile on his face, which is uh, great to see from him. Well, I'm just looking at the final standings from the sprint race, and I think we've touched on just about everybody. Yuki Tsunoda we didn't really talk about, but he finished in 14th. You know, we touched on Alonso early, I think, actually, before we uh, came on uh, after the break. But, uh, Jonathan, what do you think about him? I mean, he's finished, you know, well, stroll, but, but Alonso finishing 14th. Yeah, I think uh, – Excuse me, 13th. Yeah, I think you could sum up uh, – the whole weekend for Aston Martin in a quote from Fernando Alonso earlier in the weekend after qualifying, which they didn't do as well as they wanted, is that the new upgrades, the new floor that they've got, they just haven't had the time and the wherewithal and the position on track to really try out what they came to try out. And so they haven't learned a great deal. They may have learned a little bit more in the race, but they weren't effective in this race. So, yeah, definitely work to do. And whether those upgrades are any good for them uh, remains to be seen. But it didn't work today. Well, I want to talk about the F1 Academy, the female drivers that were here and that are here. And I saw a tweet from uh, Susie Wolf about uh, applauding Lewis Hamilton for coming over. And yep. and he came and sat in the control tower, and then he went out in, in the— uh, He was visible, purposely yeah, he, so. he was all amongst the— uh, the uh, the women the young women there in the F1 Academy and she was a little cranky saying basically that 
you know, why does it have to be Lewis every time? And she did say, of course, you know, he can relate a little bit, probably. Uh, To be honest, he uses the word diversity. That's how he came into the sport. He was, let's face it, the only black guy around. uh, And he got a lot of hard times coming up. Him and his dad at the karting scene, they weren't welcome. They had a hard time fighting their way through. And he understands what the women have been going through all this time. I hate to be so, you know, kind of aggressive about it, but that's the truth. And so I don't mind that it's Lewis. I'm, I'm delighted. If yeah, nobody else wants to take part, Russell was there to, to do the uh, podium places, but I'm, I'm sure he was asked to do that by Toto. And, of course, it's within the family of Mercedes. But, right, no, Lewis, right. George, good job. George Russell was out there as well. But Lewis is an activist. I mean, he, he wears that crown uh, easily and comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's no surprise that he's out there. I get Susie's point. You know, why? where's everybody else? Um Minding the store, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's, it's a little bit rich from Susie. She, she's married to Toto Wolf. It's a Mercedes thing in that respect, in right. that it's, yeah. you know, those are the two Mercedes drivers. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen Mercedes and Lewis. Um, there's, a, there's a young female Canadian driver called uh, Nicole uh, Herverda who races in FR currently in America. She'll be here in two weeks. But I saw her sit down with Lewis on behalf of Mercedes. She got a chance with four other women to do uh, an AMG school uh for other racing drivers to take them through their paces and, and lewis talked to her afterwards nice interview he is engaged in this it's not something he's done as a one-off so let's get that clear mm-hmm. yeah and it was almost like what did they say when he was they were talking about the calling him back for walking across track and they said you know you are was it an icon of the sport? there was some phrase it was a An ambassador uh, for the sport yeah it was something other than that but but again that's maybe they're you know they're recognizing a role model. let's well, face it that's yeah, that's the truth. That's, if that's, you're going to be the point man for any endeavor in life, you're going to have your share of detractors. And certainly, as Jonathan mentioned, Lewis has had his share. And the fact that he is the black driver. I mean, I've talked about this story before. Back when Lewis just got started and I was calling Formula One races on another network, the half the mail would be, why did you mention Lewis is black? Haven't we all gotten past that? Why can't we just all be the same? And the other half of the mail would be, can't you emphasize that Lewis is black? And, you know, this is very important. And we need more to, you know, see, so you, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But Lewis has chosen to be a point person. As, uh, and as I say, he, uh, he's willing to accept uh, whatever comes with that. And that, you know, it takes courage. And I give him full credit for it. And he actually told Nicole, the, the lady I was talking about, to, to, to embrace it, not be intimidated by it. Because whether you like it or not, you are a role model because of what you look like. And it doesn't mean whether you're a female or whether you're a black guy or whether you're slightly different than somebody else. And it doesn't mean that the other drivers are slackers when it comes to no. this kind of thing. A lot of them do charity work of one kind or another. And, uh, God, there's a great video uh, clip on, uh, on social media of uh, Carlos Sainz coming out of the Ferrari garage to sign autographs. And, of course, there's a bazillion people along the fence. And he starts signing them, and he comes to this one girl who says, could I have your hat? And so he takes off his Ferrari cap, puts on and that girl melts. She just goes <laughs> crazy. Now, granted, that's not going to change the world, but, you know, the guys are all sensitive to the fact that they're in a very privileged position. They make, you know, gobs of money traveling the world, Everybody would like to be them until they get a taste of what it's like to be them and all the plane rides and the strange hotels and living out of a suitcase and all the debriefs and the sleepless nights and and risking your neck in a racing car. Um, 
you know, it's it's not all glamorous. It's pretty glamorous, but not all. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. I jump in here. I know I'm on a bit of a delay, yeah. so sorry if I do uh, cut anyone off. But uh, I was speaking to one of the driver trainers when Lewis was uh, at the Park Ferme for, at the end of the F1 Academy race earlier, um, when Marta Garcia won the title, and they were saying, you know, oh, he's, he's been around a lot, and then they said, uh, we saw Suji's comments. It's like pretty unfair because no one kind of reached out and said, like, here's here's the schedule. Can you guys get involved at any point, or would you like to? Um, and they were obviously, you know. Formula One drivers, as you pointed out, are very, very busy and are told by their teams what they're doing and where and when. So quite often, it's down to if the team hasn't put it in their schedule, haven't said this is where you need to be or or this is what you could do. Like the driver is, is essentially following orders when they're at a race weekend. So they're, they're following a very strict timetable. They're given by the team in terms of obviously engineering and things like that, but PR, other events. So it's not really the driver's fault that they're not in it. Now, as you say, you know, I mean, Lewis is doing a brilliant job and it's great that he is part of it. But for some of the others, I think they were a bit like, that's a bit unfair. Like, we, if, I, if it was the right time, the right place, and I was basically asked to, I'd 100% be there. But they, they can also just walk over to that paddock, as I did this morning, and there can be no one around. And no one would know they were there because no one's there to capture it. Uh, but also then it would be pointless than being there when no one else is around. It needs to be organized for it to, A, be publicly seen by everybody in the way that they like to promote these things, but B, for the drivers to be available to speak to, the, as in the female drivers in F1 Academy, to be available to speak to the drivers that come over. So uh, it's not as simple as just walking over and, and being part of it uh, as it was kind of being made out. So I did think that was maybe slightly unfair on, on the, the rest of the grid. Uh, yeah. But it is also true, as you guys have all said, that, uh, that Lewis does more than his fair share. Um, and it's great that he continues to. And I know from his perspective, he keeps trying to push in multiple avenues for more diversity. It's not just in terms of a driver. He, he's looking at engineers, uh, even in the media, when he kind of, who he'd rather talk to, uh, to try and get people seen, because it's that whole thing of, if you see it, you believe it. Um, and, and then you can become, you know, you can inspire people. So uh, yeah, he works hard on multiple fronts. So even some of the stuff he does isn't, isn't seen. Um, but as Bob rightly says, you know, a number of the drivers do a, a number of good other things as well. You know, I can I can vouch for that. I think I may be speaking out of school here, but we were given a glimpse today at a look at the schedule that the drivers and, in fact, all of the team members receive from the yeah. team organizers about where you will be and when and what time breakfast is and when is the bus leaving the hotel and what has to happen within certain time limits, and they are – they are small. It's a full, you know, legal size sheet full of this 10 minutes you're doing this, followed by 10 minutes of this. 10 minutes. It's like a lawyer billing clients by 10 minutes at a time. You would it's know. Just, there's constant. I would know. Yes, <laughs> I've, I've billed my share. But, uh, you know, but the point remains, it is a very regimented lifestyle and there's constant pressure. The one thing that, you know, Formula One teams and drivers don't have any more of than the rest of us is time. Yeah, and if you remember, two points real quick. Uh, the contract negotiations weren't about the money. They were about his time mm -hmm. for Mercedes in the future. That's one point. Secondly, when given an opportunity, as he was in the press conference, asked about Andretti, his answer was, not like everybody else's, his answer was, yes, I'd like Andretti. It'll be a chance for perhaps a woman driver to be on the grid or more diversity within a new team. Mm. Lewis went on at length in that driver press conference. In fact, a couple times they asked, okay, Lewis answered for everybody. Let's move on to another question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, all all right. Right. Susie, you got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get a quick break in. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussions. We are live at Circuit of the Americas watching the sun get low in the sky. We'll be back right after this.
Hi guys, this is Pierre Gasly and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. The McLaren uh, mechanics got nothing on us. They did a 1.8 second pit stop change. We did two headset changes in uh, in, a, in about a 60 second break. We opened the secret pound. <laughs> and Bob, Bob, let's give yours a ch- yours a check because you were you were uh, you were making a point right before we went to break. And I don't know if you want to expand more on that or. Uh, no, I think we covered that point sufficiently. All right. Well, your mic sounds like it's working there. So, yeah. hey, Chris, do we got you still? You have indeed. I'm just uh, looking at the box that Max Verstappen's trophy is uh, kept in, and it's very, very heavy. Um, mm. So Gemma, who works with Max, is having to lug around his silverware, uh, and <laughs> she's getting a good workout with it. So, Yeah, we don't give those folks enough yeah, credit. I know. The ones that you know carry around. The funniest story about Formula One assistance on the grid, if you will, is when Scott Speed left Formula One and went to NASCAR and walked out to his car waiting on the uh, on the pit lane and looked around and said, where's my helmet? And one of the mechanics looked up and said, wherever you left it, sport. Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody following <laughs> you carrying your helmet and all that kind of stuff. Hey, Dave O'Neill, I want to ask you a question. A couple of years ago, uh, I think it was after the Grand Prix, but... This is sort of like after that. Uh, Gunther, Gunther came to me, Gunther Steiner, Haas F1 team boss, came to me and said, hey, where's a great Mexican restaurant here in town? And I sent him to a place. Is that what that's that what's going on out there right now? Everybody's trying to figure out where they're going to have dinner. Yeah, I think without having a queue up to get in as well. Yes. Know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and yes, there's plenty of good restaurants in Austin. Oh, boy. Millions. Are there ever? Yeah, some really good ones. In fact, actually, the, the uh, media guide this year has done a good job of pointing out some high-end and low-end yep. restaurants. Yes, high-end. <laughs> so, so it depends on what your what your job is in the garage. Yeah, if you want to go to Eddie V's and cost yourself three grand, great. If you want to go to a tapas bar or... East, uh, was it slice slice of east side side slice east side pies very yeah. good that's where Bob and I went La last Mancha, night Tex-Mex the night before that yeah. home slice home slice that's the one that's I was the one you were thinking yeah. of yeah. Yeah. I have not had barbecue yet oh that's every wow. driver here well, in the press conference Carlos Sainz and uh, and the drivers were talking they said well uh, everybody lost so much weight in Qatar that they got here. They could go totally off their nutrition plan <laughs> and eat some, some great uh, Austin food. Oh, that's great. That's perfect timing. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, should we start looking ahead to Sunday's Grand Prix? See. Si. And uh, any, ah, you got your hand up, Jonathan. You don't have to do that. You <laughs> I don't can, have to do that? You can just well, start I like talking. to. I, it's the competition. No, I tell you what I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking at the driver's standings going into the weekend. Obviously, that's changed. Now we've had the sprint race. But if you look at Sainz, Leclerc, Norris and Russell, Russell on 132 points, four points ahead is Norris, then on 145 Leclerc, who is only seven points off signs. Uh, you know, so there's a real battle for that part of the drivers' championship. We always look at the constructors' championship at this point, but really, uh, those four drivers, all of which are very notable and are very much on it, um, that could change dramatically within the next uh, couple of races. And, and Mexico only a week away, remember. Mm. Uh, I've got a couple of messages coming in on social media. TNW uh, in Thailand says Lewis was looking for a date. That's why he was over. That is really rude. That is really well, rude. I must admit that thought crossed my mind too. <laughs> Great minds, Bob. Uh, let's see what They're else. Too we got. young for Lewis. They're way too young for me. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, let's see, a couple other comments out here. Oh, Mike Bowles, so thanks to Speed City for the free weekend tickets that he passed on to his son. Yes, we. I was actually texting with, with Mike. I think this is Corvette Mike, by the way. Ah, he calls in quite a bit. His son won some – Mike won some tickets, and he gave them to his son. So Good. we got him all fixed up. Uh, Kevin Kelly. He says something I think we're all feeling a little bit right now is Haas is depressing because they, you know, they didn't they didn't do anything yet, but we still got a Grand Prix tomorrow, and they're still figuring out this brand new kit, Dave. So I mean, there's some hope there, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, you could, you know, the the difficult bit is you just can't test and race at the same time. So they have to go out, do what they can. That they'll make changes overnight, you know, to tire pressures, etc. There's not a lot they can do. They can change the, the front wing, but it's all gathering data. And again, as I explained um, at the beginning of the week, it's kind of a platform into 2024. So the biggest problem is if it's not the right way, you then have to set another platform up before the end of the year to go into 2024 as well. So difficult sort of area yeah, they're in. I know it was done as a cost-cutting procedure but i've heard chris medlin talk about this in the past you know now we don't do any testing it really does put people on the back foot and alonso said it you know we're testing for 24 really because we haven't qualified well that's kind of that's ridiculous really when you think about it when you're actually at the top of a, a sport like that we've got to find a way a budget cap or no budget cap of, of a getting new drivers in we just said they can't test so that's yeah. why i mean you know you asked the question why lawson was so good well because he's in a championship and super formula the closest thing to formula one and so of course he's sharp whereas piastri he has to take a year off and wait. Luckily, he uh, you know he was sharp enough. But for all the other guys, potentially, that's why we've got no idea who can, could potentially come in to Formula One because none of them have been tested. And I, I just there must be a cheap way of going testing, whether it be an all uh, teams test at a Silverstone uh, three times a year, or uh, you know wherever even even a, a day before going to a Grand Prix like Barcelona and saying, okay, guys, have at it. You've got full days testing. Uh, I just don't understand. It's holding Formula One back at what they do best, which is moving the technology forward. Or the other thing they could do is put some of the third drivers into the sprint yeah. race. Mm -hmm. you know, yes. Like a selected amount of races and selected amount of third drivers ha I have to drive. Idea. I yeah. really like that idea too, yeah. Yeah, I'm all over that one, Rick, uh, Dave. That's, that, yeah, it's good. It's good. That's the exposure they need, isn't it? What are you going to learn from them testing? Like in terms of dealing with pressure and seeing their racecraft, or at the moment they can test a 2021 car, but again that costs a lot of money. Give some, do some testing in a sense, or test these drivers when the fans get to uh, get excited about it and see it too. I can't wait for Jack Doohan <laughs> to get in the car. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. Actually, I love that. I I do love that idea. Uh, all right, let's see what else we got to talk about here. I'm thinking about tomorrow. Um, the weather today dropped, what, two or three degrees? But they're saying, oh, dropped five. That's right. Was that track temperature or air temperature? Track temperature. Okay, yeah. track temp dropped yeah. five, uh, and that was five Celsius, right? So, but tomorrow they were saying, at least this morning, last time I really looked, was that tomorrow the high could be into the 80s here. I mean, that it was 95 or 6 out here on yesterday. And so that would be a 10-degree drop. And if we keep some of this cloud cover, that could keep the track temps down even further. So all the that soft tires could go for 56. <laughs> well, if Carlos signs at the wheel. Well, it is supposed to be cooler. In fact, uh, we should have the cloud cover because Monday the percentage chance is growing that it's going to rain here. 
which I understand it doesn't do much in Austin. Not a great deal. Uh, about 32 inches a year, if you want to know the actual statistics. So it's just what we've been on a bad run without rain here in yeah, Austin lately, yeah, as you can tell if, you're out, if you've driven out in Circuit of the Americas. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm thinking who that might who might be able to take advantage of that, Dave? I'll ask you that question. You know, we, you know, I, is the bigger teams automatically going to have an advantage because of the, you know, more sophistication or more data or something? What do you think? Well, funny you should ask that. I, I think um, Carlos Sainz did his test today. He knows exactly what he's going to do tomorrow, yeah, you know, exactly. if you look at it like that. Um, and again, he's helped his teammate. He's got the data to look at um, on the soft tyres track temperature and ambient temperature will play a big part um, I think the um, you know if you can get on a stickier tire it's going to be better with the bumps here the bumps play a big part. oh yeah um, and if you're only surface heating the tire um, y you're losing all the thermal deg in the tire um, which is a big problem um, so maybe they're onto something Ferrari you know tomorrow's the big prize not today yeah, exactly. And I do think 56 laps compared to 19, as I said earlier, is a whole different ball game. And I, I do think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be more competitive tomorrow than it was today, uh, given that, that, that uh, obviously Verstappen will get up to speed. Everybody's saying it. Uh, and he will be there, uh, if not winning this race tomorrow. But it's going to take time and depends on whether there's uh, safety cars or whether there's crashes or whatever to see how close he gets. And also... That, therefore, brings in the strategy, knowing that Red Bull are more competitive when you take your stock. Yeah. Now, I know uh, I've just yeah. uh, jumped us back a, a topic, but uh, I was hanging around outside Haas to see if we could get actually a, a bit of team comment on how things are going. But uh, Gunther Steiner said he didn't quite have time just then. And it's because Gene Haas has just walked back up the paddock uh, and they've Ooh. sat down inside for their post-sprint debrief together. So uh, they're uh, kind of going to go through it. And you do wonder whether, you know, Gene wonders... <laughs> Well, is, is it going badly? You know, is the upgrade not working? And Gunther's probably having to say to him everything Dave just pointed out in, uh, in terms of, well, we're looking at next year too and we're learning things. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a chat I wish I could go and stick the mic into, I will admit. Um, it'd be interesting to hear what those, just to hear what they speak about anyway, to be honest. Uh, team principal hey, and team owner, that must be fun. Uh, yeah. Gunter, we look like wankers, he says. He's, he's going to put it back in his head. <laughs> well, when, when you said that, when yeah. you said that Gene Haas has showed up, I wish you could have seen the expression on Dave <laughs> O'Neill's face. face because he was grimacing like, so Dave, tell us, what's what's going on in that conversation right now? Well, you know, the, uh, Gene will uh, ask all the right questions. Yes, <laughs> right. well put. <laughs> and, and, and not quite like uh, in Drive to Survive when Lawrence Stroll uh, walked into the room. Yes. And Otmar Safnauer I remember that. In that boardroom? Yeah, he tried, oh. yeah. tried to fade into the curtains yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean this, it's a simple question uh, i gave you the money for the upgrades uh well where is the proof where's my change <laughs> yeah right. yeah so the uh, i'm sure the answer is quite long um <laughs> and uh, they'll come out smiling <laughs> Yeah, Gunther can take it, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> the good thing is, Gene Haas is a seasoned motor racing man, and he's been through it all with NASCAR. So even though he may not understand Formula One, and he's had times where he's kind of given up the ghost on whether he should be involved in Formula One or not, um, but he can see the changing winds and the changing uh, way Formula One is moving towards this country more with three races, um, it's worth sticking around. And he decided to sign up for the Concord Agreement, which keeps him in for till 26. So. That's it. Dave, Simple. What was the first year? 16 or 17? 16. Or 15? 15. 15. So it's 15. Okay. So are, we, yeah. are, the, are they in their ninth year? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no. you may know Formula One now, Jonathan. I was, when you yeah, said yeah. that, I was thinking, wait a minute. He's he's probably he's, he's not at all the races. No, and he's not at all the races. And and you know, I'm sure that's what he's got Gunther there for to to do that. But well, he's also very clever. You know, Gene is an engineer. He yes. Designed, yeah. He designed the machines to begin with. Yeah. Um, still probably has a lot of input in them now as of, as of a couple of years ago. So, you know, when he did come to the races when I was there, he'd spend most of the time in the garage watching the mechanics, looking at all the changes, picking parts up, asking questions. He had no interest in the media side. It was all the mechanical. Yeah. I've interviewed him. He, he does not like being interviewed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've tried that before as well. When I saw him walking up the paddock, I was like, do I jump in? I'm like, this probably wouldn't go so well. But also, no, no. it was 2016. Yeah. Don't forget that Haas uh, postponed their entry by a year. So they were going to come in in 15 and were preparing and then decided, no, we'll do 16 to take advantage of uh, the fact that they could actually build up a little bit more in that time without restrictions. Uh, but also, because I remember the fact that it was one car for one year, wasn't it? And then the 2017 reg change that they had to get ready for. Because uh, Gunter was asked about that uh, yesterday, actually, in terms of that's what Andretti want to do. They want to come in in 25, and then we're going to have a new right. set of regs in 26. But, you know, what's that challenge like? So uh, kind of similarities between those two teams in that way. Yeah, I think the – well, I actually got taken on in December 2014. So the year was – the setup year was yeah. 2015. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah the, the, uh, he was basically giving you the young whippersnapper look when you told him – when you corrected him on the, the year there, Chris. Well, hey, speaking of Chris, <laughs> what do you see out there? What, what do you, what's around you now? Is it getting pretty thin out there? Uh, it is starting to, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm still staying near Haas. One, for the signal to stay strong, because it's working here. Uh, and two, just to see if that conversation goes long enough that uh, we're still on air, that when someone comes out, I can ask them a question. Uh-huh. Uh, just because it would be interesting to know. And if not, we'll do that pre-race. I'll, uh, I'll put a mic in Gunter's face and say, so, how did it go with Gene last night? <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and sneak our last break in, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the uh, sprint race today and the Grand Prix tomorrow. Listen to Speed City back after these messages.
Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Nice job, Casey, the producer, finding that Gene Haas bumper to bring us back from the break. Absolutely. Jonathan, you were just itching to talk about the next subject, weren't you? Yes, which is back-to-back-to-back and then back-to-back for the final. Hurrah! So it's going to be a busy time in Formula 1, and Dave O'Neill knows exactly what that's like, and it's a real challenge uh, as a team um, because we keep talking about, you know, uh, making upgrades and tests, but you're going to Mexico, couldn't be more different than Brazil. Then, oh, let's just throw ourselves at Vegas, which will be interesting because they're opening up the track between sessions in Vegas, and uh, which is going to be a nightmare. Uh, but evidently the FIA think they've got it covered. Uh, and then finally, back to normal for Formula One, which I mean by that, data... A place we've tested, a, taste, a place where they do have a post-season test and a little bit more normality at Abu Dhabi. So it's going to be a really tough few weeks, isn't it? It is, because it's not, it's not the three weeks, it's the four weeks, because they, yeah. they come out a week mm-hmm. before the, the race, you know? They don't mm-hmm. just come out on Sunday morning. So uh, it's tough for the teams. And again, you know, there's a lot of travel involved as well, a lot of flying. Um, packing your bags up, moving on, and then as soon as you come back into the... the uh Wait, I can hear Chris crying. I was just going <laughs> to say the same thing. Chris, Chris is going... <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I heard recently that a lot of teams are seriously considering rotating crews, you know, but that's going to mean more hiring, and then you get into budget cap kinds of things again. But, uh, yeah, to, to give people more free time... They would have separate crews, uh, you know, rotating about amongst before, the races. Yeah. Well, Red Bull have uh, three sets of crews that come in on the mechanic side. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the budget cap, what they're apparently they're doing is getting away with it by making them head of HR for right. each department. <laughs> <laughs> These boys over here with the tattoos and the wrenches are our marketing department. Yes. <laughs> But it's, but it's tough, and I've heard uh, Edmondson talking about it, and Chris, you know, you have to live it. 25, can we really, can you really do 25 races? Can the whole circus put up with that? I'd say no, uh, because, I mean, I'll admit, with the run we've just said, uh, I'm not going to Brazil with that run, because obviously this is huge for us here on this show and, and for uh, F1 in the States, and then Mexico being so close. But actually, that flight and the logistics to get to Sao Paulo is tricky, but also with the timing of Vegas and it being on a Saturday night mm. and it being a new race and with all the stuff that's going on in the week before, if I tried to get home from Brazil, it would be for about 72 hours and then you'd be on a flight again out to Vegas, which is a heck of a lot of flying uh, and exhausting, but also very expensive and not great for the environment. But then if I didn't fly home, then that's over five weeks on the road. And that's just for me. Like, as you guys have said about the setup times that teams do and the hours that people pull, um, I, I don't think it's fully sustainable. And there were some people that were quite excited to do the whole season this year and have then decided, I mean, the, the paddock is going to be so quiet in Brazil. So many people are not going to that. And that should be, I think, a bit of a red flag to Formula One in the same yeah. way that Qatar yeah. has been one. Actually, this leads me onto a good topic. I mean, I'm doing well with me and my little violin. Uh, and I know people don't think of the drivers too much on this, but Alex Albon made an excellent point that Qatar was so tiring for him and difficult that it took him till about Friday till he felt better. Mm. Um, yeah, he was trying to rehydrate for a couple of days. You know, normally you're back in the gym on, on Tuesday feeling fresh again. Monday after a race, you're a bit tired and, and then you're back at it. And he said it wasn't until Friday he felt better. Now, that was okay because it was a standalone race. But he's like, I'm, I'm hoping we're all good now because we're going into a triple header that'll be tiring. Next year, although Qatar is 
very late in the season in comparison, um, and therefore the weather should be better. He said it's the middle of a triple header with Vegas and Abu Dhabi. So he said, if you're coming from Vegas, you're already fatigued as a driver. So you're, you're lower on reserves. So if you've got similar conditions, it'd be even tougher in Qatar. Uh, and he thinks we'd have even worse problems for the drivers. Then he said, without the recovery time, because you head straight to Abu Dhabi, like, everyone's going to be broken. He said, genuinely, you'll have drivers that wouldn't be able to race. or be It would be dangerous for them too. So he does think the scheduling is starting to get out of hand on even more fronts. And I think each time you get closer to a problem like that, uh, and it's not just mechanics complaining or not just those that probably have the hardest jobs, but those that you'd say have the easiest uh, jobs in a sense, when it actually is a pro- big problem for them, then I think we're going a bit too far. So I, I do think 25 yeah. is pushing it uh, a bit too much, which probably negates you know that testing chat we had, because where do you find time to go testing as well on top of 24, 25 races? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to start rotating drivers too. Okay, you know, we need our... Our, our Middle Eastern coterie of drivers, and we'll have our, you know, the Americas lineup of drivers and the Asian lineup of drivers. Got no world championship. What happened to the sporting regulations? They very clearly say that the maximum number of races in a season is 24. Mm-hmm. Just like they clearly say that the maximum number of cars on the grid is 26. And yet everybody's saying, oh, 12 teams, 12 teams, 12 teams. We can have 12 teams. You can have 13 teams if you want to. Well, it wouldn't be any show at Coda right now, anyway, without at least some discussion of Andretti, Andretti Global F1. Yep. They were here this weekend. I saw Michael yep. and, and, uh, Mario, yeah. and Mario. And Mario. Uh, and an interview in this booth. Yes, no. he did. Yeah, right in this booth. Right? Oh, he did? Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Well, not with us then. No, I was going to say, well, cue it up. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it? But I'm sure everybody's seen the news out there that they have a 23-spec car that's going into the wind tunnel in uh, Cologne in Germany. In like a a couple of weeks or something? Within a week, I think. In a week. Next week, yeah. yeah. I've actually seen the model. I've I've had a look at the model, which was cool to see. Um, Yeah, it's it's ready to go there. In that sense, they're proving that it's there. They're not just saying it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. next week it should uh, should be running. Well, Chris, how big is it? What scale is it? Is it full? Uh, well, I think, no. Uh, you're quarter, not allowed a full scale. scale wind tunnel in Formula 1. Uh, and a, you would start smaller. I mean, yeah. yeah, there you go. As Dave will know better than me, you would start smaller. But I think the biggest you can go to in Formula 1 is 60%. Uh, I think that's the top level, yeah. top limit of, uh, okay. of wind tunnel scale. Did yep. it? 60%. And, and, of course, you know, the, reason, the, the bigger you get, the more accurate you get. So what right. they're trying to do is correlate the wind tunnel model with the CFD work they're doing as well and that in itself takes a year to get right so they have to you know they're in the right place doing it now yeah I'd like to get a a sort of finger in the in the wind take up from Dave from Chris and from Bob on just you know I I think Andretti's changed his approach he came in brashly and upset the Europeans uh, as America often does in these circumstances by coming in and saying right we're going racing and they said whoa 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 whereas now uh, it's hard to get hold of the press officer they don't want to do a lot of media and yet we still get little trickles of oh Andretti in quoted yesterday saying we've got 26 oh wait I think 27 People already working on the project. We're so sorry we hurt your feelings. Yes. But um, I do think the approach is different. (laughs) Uh, And I'd like to get Chris from a journalist's point of view. Um, You know, I mean, we've heard that they've been accepted, but now it's FOM's decision. It's like uh, being invited to to the cool party. Um, What, what, where are we? And is this ever going to happen? Uh, Where we are is that we're still very much in limbo because it's up to... Formula One management to basically open negotiations or talk to Andretti directly about a commercial deal if they want to. 
because technically they don't even have to do that. They could just flat out refuse them. Uh, whether there would be legal opportunities, that's still up in the air. But uh, Formula One management, which is when anyone says FOM, that's who they mean. And that is the commercial arm of the Formula One group that has the commercial rights to the sport and therefore are the ones that need agreeing with on top of the FIA as a governing body. Sorry, I know it's complex. Um, and FOM are saying they're going to speak to all different stakeholders like uh, circuit promoters and the team bosses and even drivers, even broadcasters, just to get a view because realistically they want to say no because they want to keep it at 10. They think it's their way of being strongest. The franchises, if they become franchises officially, uh, and as Bob's rightly pointed out, that would need the regs to change because you're allowed more teams as it stands. Uh, they, they become worth more if, if there's only 10 of them and, and they're closed off. And I think Formula One itself feels like it then has a bit more control. You know, it's better the devil you know. They, they know the, every team inside out right now. They know what they bring, what they don't, kind of where the weaknesses are. And they, they kind of have yeah, just a strong control of the sport at this point. Uh, and they're, they're kind of like, well, why do we need to change that? We, we can grow from here still. So I don't agree with that, but that's kind of where they're at. And it very much seems like after that consultation with different stakeholders, it's going to be a no. But uh, as you said, like Andretti is still just, just carrying on. Uh, as Michael said to, to Sky Sports yesterday, uh, he said, you know, we're still aiming for 25. That's why the wind tunnel car model is ready. Uh, you know, it might have to be 26, but right now we want 25 if we can get there. So he doesn't understand why there's so much pushback. Um, that he thinks they'll just add to the sport and not take away from it. So, uh, and he also said that Colton Herter is still top of the list if he can get a super license, mm-hmm. and he'd want to pair Colton with an experienced F1 driver. So, yeah. uh, I'm, well, that I'm sorry that yeah. I just had to paraphrase his interview with someone else because I was trying to speak to him today. And as you say, Johnny, they still closed ranks, and I got a text this morning yeah. that said, "Actually, actually, no, uh, we're, we're not going to have time today." Yeah. Dave? I had a quick one, which was um, the three teams that fell out of F1, as Bob said, you know, the 13 teams that you could have had in there. Is there any way Andretti could pull, you know, a mana license back up and make it run <laughs> and um, get on with life and then just change the name a year later? Is that is that possible? Well, they wouldn't need to, would they? Because technically the license will come from the FIA. and they, they can get that. It's just technically they can come in. They can come racing. Uh, they just wouldn't have anywhere to set their cars up, wouldn't have anywhere to build them, and they would not be shown on TV and wouldn't get any money for being here, which would mean they would just be throwing money after money. Uh, and it yeah, just commercially wouldn't work. But te- technically, you don't need a commercial agreement to go racing. But but without it, obviously, it, it makes no sense. All right. Well, we are out of time. Uh, we have... I was just thinking, last thing on that, I thought... Is, is it true or not? If they come in in 25, they're going to get the $200 million fee they, they want to pay? If they, no. If, well, um, no, it would be because they, they can't change it. But at, anyway, we're out of time, right. guys. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, of course, tomorrow we will be here for the pre-race, the race, and the post-race. And if you're in Austin, you can hear us on local radio. Go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, to find out all the details. And, Chris, great job out there today. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, everybody. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.